This is Harlan, Chris, Michael, and Kraloth of Thandor. No, you're, you're just... Seriously? Paladin of Bahamut, Slayer of the Eye Beholder. And you're listening to Seven Land Hand. It's Seven Land Hand. Woo! Brought to you Australia-wide by Good Games. The apocalypse has arrived, and there's more one-ton destruction than a fire in a Chinese restaurant. The plate hat got more to prove with the dead of winter, but they got less legs to stand on than a skateboarding Herschel Green with tinea. There's a fine line between working together or pushing your mates over the wall into an army of darkness. Want to know the difference? Come out of the snow. This is Sevenland Hand. Dead of Winter, it's a plate hat game, part one of their Crossroad game series. It was designed by Gilmore and Vega. Not a pair of 1970s guitar virtuosos, but rather a couple of mathematical madmen by the names of Jonathan Gilmore and Isaac Vega. Dead of Winter was first published in 2014 and is a cooperative trader game for two to five players with 45 to 210 minutes stashed in their dice bags. In 2014, the game won a severed zombie head full of awards, including the Golden Geek Awards for the most innovative game and the most thematic game of the year. The game's elevator pitch reads as follows. Dead of Winter puts players together in a small, weakened colony of survivors in a world where most of humanity are either dead or diseased flesh-craving monsters. Each player leads a faction of survivors with dozens of different characters in the game. One disclaimer before we proceed, neither Jonathan or Isaac are madmen. However, we hear that Isaac is quite handy on the ukulele. But what does it all mean to gamers? With me today, 28 days later than the last pod they recorded, I have Sparky the Stunt Dogs Wrangler, Justin Edwards. <laughs> How you going, guys? That's good, man. Lying dead, face down in the snow, we've got Riley Everts. And helpless survivor Matt McHale. <laughs> I always crack up with that Riley bit. Uh, yeah, I'm here too. funny every week. <laughs> Riley's not here. It's the silence. He's in the UK. Coming back one day, we hope. Anyway, welcome to the Compod Ound. See what I did there. What have you uh, geeky lives been uh, gasming about, fellas? What would have been up to? I can't get over that Compod Compound Ound. <laughs> just trying to just rain, you know, rain it into the dead of winter world. Just smashing it. All right, so we've all, most of us have been playing Star Wars Battlefront. That's broke since we last got together. Justin, yeah, you, have Star- a, you have a face on your face? What does that mean? No, no, no. Like, Star Wars, I bought it. Yeah. Um, this is what gets me right. The purchasing of video games in Australia is weird. In a, in a brick-and-mortar store, right? Yeah. So, international listeners, this may not be something that you're used to, but you go into the shop and you can do what's called a price match. So if you want to buy from a particular retailer and you're like, hey, listen, I saw this down the road for, you know, 30 bucks off at this price. The retailer that I go to either games will be like, right. sure. Yeah, let's just price Do you, you haggle over that stuff? I just take it in the neck. Yeah, I so hate no haggling. Just... No one wants to pay $99 for a game, right? No, no, no. No, or 110 in some cases. I know, right? but I do. <laughs> I think we're all guilty of it at some point. Yeah. Right. So, so right now, like when I go in there, it's like, yeah, can I price that price, price match that down to sixty nine dollars? That is, that's what this going for at JB Hyper. They're like, yep, sure thing, no worries, and let's right. do it. Yeah. So what happened to me is I went in to get Star Wars Battlefront, and I traded a few titles. Uh, something you can do at EB is you take in a stack of stuff you don't play anymore. They give you a really ridiculous rate on it. It's like, oh, you paid ninety dollars for this game three months ago. We'll buy it for sixteen, and I'm like. I'm not going to play it anyway. I don't, don't want to sell it. Remember, I remember, listener, I asked him, how is Star Wars Battlefront? I'm getting there. I'm getting there, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. So I bought Star Wars Battlefront for, it ended up being $66.35. Wow. I played it well for done. two hours. Right. 
So you spent longer than that haggling on I the did. price. It was totally nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um, coming from a different shooter, I play multiplayer Destiny, right? Play yeah, this, yeah. Play. That's my. Jam, You've been rattling right? on about that for a long time. Little, yeah. little while. I've been playing it for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so when I came over to this thing, I had a embedded set of ingrained set of expectations, right? That you know, lobbies would be easy to make, and you know, the gameplay would be somewhat enjoyable. It just seemed really thin on the ground, right? It just yeah. like, I, it's, and this is nothing to do with like. I've already stated that I'm not a huge Star Wars guy. I got into it for the hype because everyone's like, "This game's sick," and it looks amazing. The game yeah. is just ten out of ten gorgeous, right? So that's going to make me love it. Exactly. So you're looking at it you're like, yeah, this is sick, and the tie fire's blowing up and all sort of stuff. Yeah. But when it comes to the nuts and bolts mechanics of it, it's quite thin, and there's no like single player campaign. So you're really forced into these like lobby situations where you're just constantly shooting people in the head and getting ranks up so you can get different stormtrooper outfits. You know. Right. And for me, that was just like, I'd rather, uh, like I said, I played for two hours and then went and played something else. A game that you really want to play. You just you don't stop, right? You play you play that first day. You just play it out, like you, yeah, exactly. You, yeah, you, you become a slob and all that sort of jazz. So, so I, I got it. Yep, uh, I was, I'm still finishing Assassin's Creed Syndicate, so I'm sticking to that. However, my son wanted to get into it. My son is uh, down on you know Microsoft as being his actual age, ten. <laughs> Turn, turns out, even if I'd give him parental approval for everything, which I did, I ramped everything up to R-rated, uh, full-on adult content, any weirdo on the internet can come and harass him and do whatever, it's still going, nah, he can't play. Turns out, they've just got their uh, EA games, have got their own little setting which says if someone's not of, of a particular age, they can't play it. This, is what, this is what I'm reading on the um, forums. So I just go to his Microsoft account and make him a 20-year-old, right? <laughs> Log back in. Still doesn't work. I can't, he can't get on to play mm. on our Xbox Live account. So it's kind of it's broken. It's just a game for me now. And it's, Star Wars is, is a fairy tale fantasy for kids. I saw Star Wars when I was six, right. you know? It's like, come on, I man. Think, I think I know how to fix that. So talk to me after. And we'll All right, we'll fix that. that. I think we can fix that. But on other J words, we've got Jessica Jones as well, which have all hit pretty hard on uh, Netflix, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. up to episode eight. We're not going to do spoilers. No, no, no. no. Spoilers. You guys, what? You've done I'm episode up to five. five. Yeah, yeah. This stuff's good, right? I- I'm enjoying it. I it's, think I've fallen in love. Yeah, I've definitely fallen in love. Uh, the character, the characters are just brilliant. I think this is a great example of how. Uh, no one fell for it. I've got it right. I fall in love with David Tennant. <laughs> how right. cool is that guy? I was that say, guy yeah. is amazing, yeah. right? Yeah. There's, there's a scene. There's a scene where. I don't think it's too much to give away. There's a scene where there's a severed head in a bag and he opens the bag, you know, with his hands moving outwards and then he twists the bag as he's looking in. Now, as an actor, on the script, it's not going to say, twist the bag. No. But he's just added that and it's genius, right? Because it's like he's, he's opened the bag and he's pretending to look at her head and he's twisted it so he can see the guy's face and gone, oh, yeah. and then he's left. And he does that sort of stuff all the way through. I just see these little nuanced things which I think the I, actors added him. that to the script and it yeah. just makes it so cool. I admire him way back to his, well, even to his Doctor Who days. I think he was a totally appropriate doc and... Uh, this is a perfect role. He's a, he's a quintessential villain. He's a good guy, and he can mix the blur the lines between the two. I guess in this, he's sort of an anti. Well, no, he's a villain. He's a horrible, horrible man. But there's character development coming away, my friends, in the next three episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and imagine even more because it goes through 13 episodes of this show. Yeah, well, I've got yeah. a long way to go. Then I like the way that they actually play down some of the characters. You know, it they reference the fact they're in a superhero world 
Yeah. But they don't come out and say Captain America, Spider-Man, you know. Yeah, they it's don't the green guy. those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like name-dropping without actually... And if you're savvy to the world, you know what's going on. Apparently so I this appreciate thing that. is heavy, heavy, heavy Easter egg. It's Easter egg city. Apparently there's stuff everywhere. I think I know my Marvel reasonably well, but not to the degree which I need to in order yeah. to pick up on these things. But you see guys like... A weird looking, like there was, a, there was a weird, really pale white guy who was across in front of the screen, and he was abnormal, you know, to the rest of the the extras. And I said to my wife, I said, I bet that's an Easter egg, but I have no idea what it is. Hey, did you notice the new promo at the beginning? Of oh, of, yeah, of, oh, Seven Land Hand, yeah, yeah, that was uh, the Invictus stream. Yeah, better mention that because those guys, <laughs> that was really, they sent us a bag full of uh, bumps as we're yeah. coming to learn what they're called, and uh, yeah, and that one, which is hilarious. Uh, they didn't mention that they're from Invictus Stream, so check yeah, those guys out, right? They're an RPG uh, Google Hangouts crew over in Canada. So yeah. we're international. We're really uh, branching out there. Worldwide. Each week they put up a an episode of their current campaign, and currently, speaking of Star Wars, they're doing a Star Wars uh, Age of the Empire campaign. Uh, funny guys, the too. They are. They're, they're really funny. Yeah. They put up an episode each week, and it's really, uh, it's really community-based, so everybody who follows them is involved in some way, earning experience points that they spend back into the campaign. So it changes the story and, and uh, you know, modifies outcomes. It's really, really community-based, and, and I really appreciate it. So thanks yeah. very much, Harlan and the gang. All right, something else that happened recently was uh, Perth Games Fest. Yeah. Uh, and Matt Roving Reporter went out and uh, talked to a whole bunch of folk. And that's coming up in part three. So we'll have, um, we'll have some of that later on. So we won't get into it now. We'll uh, hear what people yeah. on, on, the, uh, what, on the street. Was yeah, on the yeah street, look forward to it. it. Oh, I was putting my, my phone in people's faces. All right, brilliant. All right, so we'll uh, blob and we'll get back with a bit of Dead of Winter. <laughs> So before we continue on to the review, each month uh, Good Games are offering our listeners a special offer on the game we review. This month, Dead of Winter. So subscribe to the show and listen out for when we give you the password. Uh, this month, our sponsors, the fine people of Good Games, are offering Seven Land Hand listeners 10% off Dead of Winter. Uh, all you have to do is walk in your local Good Games store, engage a member of staff with some sweet eye contact, and state the password. Matt? Winter Wonderland. Justin? Winter Wonderland. That's it, fellas. You'll be cutting dollars off the price, quickly followed by limbs off the nearest zombie. 10% for wow. the next four weeks. Winter Wonderland. Huge. <laughs> Winter Wonderland. All right, stay tuned for Neats and Twos. That comes up after uh, the Games Fest segment. Uh, we'll give you details on how you can win a copy of Dead of Winter. Okay, now on with the show. <laughs> Winter. Dead of winter. Played hat and all that sort of stuff. All right, guys. What's this game about? What's the narrative of this one? So in the Dead of Winter, players are representing a colony of survivors in the harsh, harsh winter of a north... Well, environments of a northern American winter. Just in time for Christmas as well. Yeah, it's exactly. a snow theme. We did this on purpose. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So the colony has an objective that they're trying to complete. Uh each player has one, but they, they're kept secret. So it's a bit of hidden information sort of game as so well. So there's a common theme of there a is. common goal and an individual goal. Yep, and there's not necessarily a betrayer in there either. So just the game alludes to the fact that there may be somebody who's working against the colony, but that might not actually be the case. So lots of paranoia, I think, in this game uh, succeeds very well in that. So only players who have completed their secret objective will win the game overall. 
Uh, and the game can, you know, it ends in a variety of ways. Okay, so uh, what do we do for setup, Matt? So we've got the game board, which is the colony area, and that's where all your uh, all your survivors hang out. And then located around the colony are separate locations. Six now, of them. Six of them. And yeah. these are library, police station, grocery store, uh, gas station. Library. I said, did I say the library? Like you did. I, did. I, was just, I was just saying library. I know you love the library. Why Maria, do you love the library, David? Maria's there. Maria's there. She's a beautiful young <laughs> librarian that... Uh, <laughs> and she, well, you know, I helped her through the winter and um, got a, I found a cans of food and stuff. Nothing. It was mutual. It was fine. It was, this is awkward. Uh, anything else to say about setup? She was the first one that died, wasn't she? she? No, oh, come on. <laughs> That's not nice. She so, was, it was, that was unfortunate, man. That was a hard game to get through. So everybody gets a couple of survivors to start the game. And these, this represents your faction. So we're, in a sense, while we're in a part of a colony, we're all working for the greater good. We're also divided into factions. And so everybody has two, and you have a, a slew of equipment to start you with. And then from there, it's turn-based. Everyone's... That, that equipment's like basic equipment, isn't it? And yeah, basic equipment, yeah. Uh, further equipment from your locations. Yeah, 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 by actually going to those locations and, and uh, exploring them. Which so, is cool because yeah. all that gear is always thematically weighted towards yep. the location you're uh, exploring. So if you're after petrol, you go to the gas station. You're after weapons, go to the police station and so forth. That's it. And if you're after Maria, you can go... Have I mentioned this? Oh, sorry. <laughs> you, sorry get to, um, you get some dice as well. And the dice are, your, are the action mechanic of this game. So that you can choose to do actions. <laughs> That's across. what everyone's listening. Everyone's listening and go, is, is the dice in the spot? You haven't mentioned anything about dice yet. Justin, do you say dice? Uh, I think you said dice. With a six-sided? What sort of dice? Uh, that, that red... So... The way that it, the way that these dice work is probably the most interesting mechanic of the game. Really. Yeah. Uh, there's one dice that you're particularly scared of. It's the big red D12. No. And um, yeah, with the tooth. It's just adding the fact, adding an element of risk in every single turn that you have. Um, yeah, really, really makes it. And I think it's like a because that's one of the, it's there's a there's a pushy luck uh, mechanic, mechanic to this, isn't there? The way so. you can search, you can search again and make one noise and yeah, risk yeah. further exposure and stuff like I, I that. Th- which I is think a, a good summarizing sentence of like the na- narrative objective and how it plays is like if anyone's a fan of The Walking Dead, yeah, it's, where it's not really the zombie that is the problem, yeah, it's everybody right. else. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly how this game runs. Yeah, so um, it's really yeah the way the the, the mechanic works is all of them combined is really good the fact that uh every single location that you go to uh the items that you collect are sorted by chance of finding so there's you know plenty more food at the grocery store than there is at the police station for example where there's the more most guns and you've kind of got your eye on the other players as well because of that trade of aspects that that may or may not exist that matt put put on before so if someone's Got a lot of collected a lot of cards, but might not be contributing anything to the uh, to the crisis contributions, which we'll go into a bit later on. Mm. Uh, you start wondering, are they just withholding stuff? Are they trying to make us fail, and you start then you start watching people Same as well as doing your own stuff, which I love games yeah. like that. So I can so. notice that you're extremely tooled up over there in the terms of like. Yeah. It's just junk, but it's just just junk. It's just As much as there are pros and cons to to the game itself, there are pros and cons to every decision that you make uh, as a colony or yeah. as an individual. Mm. And I really love that. That's so thematic and it's just carried out really well. There's only one other game that I can think of that comes close to this and that's Robinson Crusoe, uh, Adventure on the Cursed Island, right. and, which is the same sort of thing. It, it's uh, a lot of that exploration, survival, choices. The, the choices you make have big world impacts on the game and, and this is exactly what we've got here. So, yeah. 
It's uh, definitely in that ilk. Yeah. So in, and that red dice, that tooth dice, is the is the most horrible invention in yeah. board games. I've never seen anything as horrible horrible as that. <laughs> so in a nutshell, a, a round consists of what you you start off with drawing a crisis card, don't you, which tells you a particular event in the story. So there are two phases that's happened. Yeah, two phases. The first one is a player phase, and in which case you draw a a crisis card, and a crisis card is a oh, first of all, if you go back. You have a mission to complete, and that's the colony mission. Everyone's trying to do that. Then, at the end of each, at the beginning of each turn, you choose a crisis card, and that crisis is in addition to your goal of for the colony. Yeah. So you've got all immediately. You've got one mission to to complete, and then each turn you've got another mini mission to complete, as well as you've got your secret objective card. So and you've those, got those mini that. missions are all in theme is like, uh, oh, we're out of food. We need, yep, to, we need to get it. more food. Everyone's got to chuck in more food, yep. or we need, we're getting, everyone's getting really cold, need more fuel, and you, you, know, you don't it. usually want to hold on to your fuel. But, so, um, yeah. so that's what the crisis cards are about. Yeah. So that, and if you f- fail to complete the crisis... Uh, and it's done by contributing car by uh, contributing equipment. Then it has an impact on the game, or sometimes it doesn't have an impact on the game. It depends on the card <laughs> and your situation at the time. Yeah. Sometimes you you want to just leave it and not do it uh, because it's not going to have any big impact. However, there are some things which, if you don't do, it's going to really hurt the colony or really hurt your. Uh, your own agenda. Go look at the big picture, Matt. How many times do people tell you that? Big picture. Waste <laughs> <laughs> waste pile, Justin. What's going on with that? That's. You know, that's waste an interesting pile. little waste pile. Yeah. Well, I thought we'd go to you for this. No, interesting. What? Because of this junk? I did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, every so, uh, I'm not sure if it's been fully fleshed out, but every single player's got their little character sheet in front of them, which is, takes the form of a card and all that sort of jazz. Uh, and then at the compound or the colony, as it's been called, there is a separate amount of piles. Obviously, people generate waste. People generate, you know. Uh, stuff. We eat yeah. beans, the tins have got to go somewhere. That's exactly right. So the waste pile is, by using these cards... You can you can discard them, can't you, to get an effect from them. So you, when you do that, it, they go into this waste pile and it builds up and builds yeah, up. And sure. if it reaches a threshold amount, then yeah. you start to lose morale. There's a morale tracker. Exactly. Well, you're, you're living in your own waste yeah. and that becomes a big problem. So the more waste you generate, the... More, um, the more morale you, you lose. So it has one of those big world impacts because morale reaching zero is one of those ways you lose the game. So that's a ticking clock right there. Yeah. And then there's a ticking clock of the rounds which slowly count down yep. as well. You've got X amount of rounds to, yep. to fix yep. the game in, right? Which is uh, that initial feeling of dread that I mentioned earlier. It's just Because there are, much like XCOM, there is so many ways to die in this. You've got the rounds reaching zero without you completing your objective. You've got morale reaching a point where everyone's just... You Screw know, this. Life's not worth living. Yeah, I'm done. Uh, the zombies, which you know I've already mentioned, don't play a huge like death march, but let them go too long and they will just overrun you and kill you and you lose the game as well. Yeah. Um, the other player, like if there's a trader player put in, they can make you lose as well. So this is four off the top of my head. Uh, you know, going hungry is another one. Uh, just simply walking out in the snow without any fuel and yeah. getting bitten is another mm-hmm. one. Now, By frostbite, that is. Now, or- organically, and I hate people that say organically, <laughs> but organically, we kind of came across a technique of um, getting as many colonists as we can, useful colonists as yeah. we can, which comes with an added risk because you get the uh, 
what did I call Matt at the beginning of the game? A uh, helpless, helpless survivor. survivor. Yeah. You get, you can, sometimes you get helpless survivors, which just mouths to feed that fit inside the colony. Mm. But we came across this uh, strategy of having lots of character players uh, is actually beneficial, even though there's an offset of having to keep them alive. You, Justin, you were reading somewhere that um, that's a more widely used strategy? Yeah, just stacking on, um, stacking on the amount of character players in the game. Uh, that's because the amount of abilities that have opened up to you, the amount of searches you can do. Um, well, that leads into part two of the, the player phase, which is yeah. the roll action dice. So everybody has this pool, one dice per survivor you have plus one extra. So yeah. at the beginning of the game, you have three dice and everybody rolls that little pool of dice together and they're, the, they're your vehicle for making the actions, whether you spend dice to make actions or you don't spend dice to make actions. There are some, there are uh, free actions and, and uh, actions that require dice. So, yeah, speaking of the more characters you have, the more dice you have, therefore more yeah. actions you can complete. But then the more chance that someone dies and then the more yeah, chance the morale that morale will drop. So that's the offset part there as well. And, th- and that's like a really interesting play. I'd like to see other people play this because, um, you know, there's the amount of variety that's in one box. Uh, and one thing that even spices it up a lot more is these crossword cards, right? Yeah, yeah, crossword the, cards. The third... We'll get into those, I think, because they're a big part of the game. But the third section is your individual player turn. So that's the they're the three parts of the turn phase. Then once that's happened, there's a colony phase, which is another whole set of actions. So you pay food. In order to keep the colony fed, you have to have as much food in the in the uh, storehouse you like, in the food supply, to be able to afford to pay to feed everyone. And you need one food for every two survivors. The next thing you need is to check the waste. We already talked about the waste pile. If it gets too big, you're living in your own st- in your own waste and you lose morale. The next step is to resolve the crisis. Now, this is a very interesting part of the game because this is where a lot of the, the trader mechanic or the, uh, the your own agenda comes through because you're trying... You're, everybody's responsible for contributing to the crisis or not, depending on your own objective. So typically you're looking for... Uh, three food cards or three petrol cards or three tools, something like that. Mm. And those things go face down on the under the crisis card. Now, once they're there, you're not allowed to count them. You're not allowed to look at them. It's all hidden information. Because if there is a betrayer in the game, then that person may have seeded a card in there that isn't what it's supposed to be. And they can hurt you. So they actually do... Uh, they take away your successful contributions which is uh part of and then it seeds mistrust and and all that sort of thing which is the main mechanic for the main thematic mechanic there's nothing more fun than getting four cards which you hope are all (laughs) food cards shuffling them up and then flipping them over and dealing them out and realizing that there's two junk cards in there it's like oh man someone's screwing us here i I love games that have if you've got two food cards in there well yeah and then more like one (laughs) if there's one in there or two in there whatever and you've got two junk cards those two junk cards actually take away the other food cards so then you can completely outright really? fail. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether there's yeah, actual yeah, other stuff in there. Yeah. It actually takes away from the one that's if, if you didn't reach the total that you were supposed it. to get, then you just wasted them. Yeah, they're right. can't use gone. them for actually yeah. what they're there for. So the next step is to add zombies. So this is where... This is where you searching in locations has an impact, and this is where uh, you the number of survivors at a location has an impact. So if you've got, uh, you travel to the grocery store and you've got one survivor there, for every survivor at a location, you'll generate a zombie. 
So it's a one to one to one. Yeah. Now, if you're searching at the grocery store and you happen to press your luck a bit, so on the same die roll, let's say you've spent one die roll action, to, dice. action dice to search, then you decide you're going to press your luck and you're going to search on that same action dice. You spend a noise token, so you're rummaging around. You're making a bit more noise. You're not being as careful. Yeah, that has a potential to attract more zombies. So not guaranteed. You then roll a dice and determine whether it appears or not. Yeah. So it makes you very. And they don't, they don't attack though. They just overwhelm no. an area, don't they? And yeah. then you're in trouble. Yep. It only becomes trouble. a problem. The zombies only become a problem on mass when there's multiple. When there's more zombies at a location than there are spaces available. All right, crossroad cards. Come on, we mentioned it earlier on. What, the crossroad are cards are basically they're flavour. They are flavour for yeah. the whole game. They're, they represent the moral choices you make as a, as a community and they represent... Unavoidable things that come up things, that you yeah. can't see coming. They're, they're taking every single, every single... Not every single round, but every single player turn there's a new crossroad card. Yeah. So and for every player... And they each have their own individual trigger that nobody knows except for the person who is to the right of the player who's having their go. So the person who's just had their, had their go. Which I think is a really good way to keep all players involved. Yeah. Um, you see a lot in these kind of games that once you've done your bit you just wait you know like you know you can sort of watch what the other guy's doing you know if you if you're sort of power playing it and you know trying to figure out his choices but by yeah. putting these crossword cards in you're engaged you're looking at this card there's a trigger on it you need to watch for that to see if that happens or not yeah uh, examples of a trigger would be if both these characters are on the field if this if a character is in this location uh if there are this many uh variables on the field um, do the following. Yeah, do or, the following. And it's usually a choice, right? Yeah, exactly right. Puts the player into a position of having to make a choice. Not, it doesn't just say do the following. They actually chuck a story in there. Yeah. So um, you'd see the sort of, they put you into this place, they put, they put like a bit of a narrative around it. So you read it out loud to the group. So this is what's happening. Uh, and then there's a yes or no, thumb up, thumb down, or choose A or B. Yeah, yeah that's it. And it's not necessarily the player who gets to choose either. Sometimes right. it's a vote left up at the colony. Sometimes it's just the people at that location get a vote. Sometimes is there a time frame on that as well? Because, or was that just us? Because we kind of went, all right, this is what's happening. All right, we're going to vote. You ready? Three, two, one. We didn't discuss it too much, so it wasn't a lot yeah. of uh, well, arms twisting. Well, it's open to as much discussion as you want. Okay. So uh, if it's a particularly, I don't know, nasty crossroad card, whether you, where... There's pros and cons for everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the idea of putting a bit of time on those sort of things, like yeah. making those snap decisions. Uh, an example of a card that we came across in our playtesting was uh, the military, quote unquote, had rolled across our compound and said, "Listen, you guys have got a pretty good thing going here. We don't want to mess with it. Yeah, but unless you give us eight fuel by the end of the game, we're gonna." Or That's right. yeah, so it's like, okay, we will. We'll, yeah, you can say yes, sir. We'll do that, or no, you'll fight them. And then X happens, so you yeah. lose it. You lose this much resources, or this many people die. So either we're getting uh, an extra condition onto yeah. the victory, onto the uh, main mission of which, H fuel cards, which makes it harder yeah. to achieve, or we're facing an immediate consequence in which there's yeah. a real chance that someone's going to die. And you're looping that back. If like I think when you're, you're actually playing the game, and you're like, okay, guys, let's hold a meeting, you know, and like 
make that yeah. tick over. You, know, you can just imagine the army guy standing there watching you all like, <laughs> yeah. you know, think about it. Uh, hey, we need some time to think about yeah. this. Just, no, nah, just, just sort of like gun to your head. I like the, I like the snap decision <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, I like so that now. too. It's yeah. kind of fun because there, there was definitely moments where I couldn't get a read on where everyone else was and I wasn't necessarily too sure on which which side of the coin I, I preferred. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just threw a thumb either up or down. Yeah. And just, I think, I think if, you've got, if you've got traders in the game, that helps as well. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is definitely a game where the more players you have, the better, because then you can start to form factions and that sort of thing. Yeah, one side against the other. It, and you can't play traders unless you have four players. That's is right. That right? Yeah. Minimum so. four for a bad guy to be in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With the uh, the crossroads stuff as well, uh, we've we've had these in paper form, but there's an electronic copy as well. Yeah. Which... Uh, so there's an app, Matt. Yeah. So if we're talking about expansions, yeah, we'll that's expansions. the only one. Is that yeah. an expansion? Is that's it? Pretty it, much well, expansion. actually, it's not an expansion. It's it's a it's a tool that adds a little bit more flavour to it. So rather than having the the actual physical deck, you can just hand around a a phone or a iPad, whatever it is, and then a smart device. What it does is it reveals only as much information as you need. For the trigger. So, first of all, it just shows you the trigger. Yep. So, that's what you're looking for. It helps you, I guess, focus in on the trigger. So, if you see that happen, then you press for more information. If you don't see that happen, you just press next and you can hand it over over to the next player. And it's it's actually... They've spent a bit of money and they've got a voice actor. I think it's um, Eric Summerer to voice the uh, person reading out or to narrate the uh, crossroads cards and, and present the options. So you can listen to somebody do it or, you know, you can do it yourself. You don't have to. You can turn that off. There's some cool sound effects and a bit of, like, yeah. voice argumentation. Completely unnecessary, cool. but in some cases I think it, it might add a little bit, yeah. especially if, you know, the way you're reading, sometimes you're reading a card, you can lose a little bit of that flavour, mm. whereas the way uh, Eric reads it is is very flavourful and... and Adds to the thematic. He might be better at voice talenting than uh, you and your mates. Exactly. Yeah. 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 All right. So uh, now we've gone. We've gone through how to play the game. Uh, what's, so in the box, uh, the, the the components are pretty good, right? Yeah. 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 Can I do a shuffle? Got, yeah. Do it, man. Yeah, I'm going to do it. These are a whole bunch of characters. Yeah. <laughs> so not miniatures, uh, and this no. this isn't in any way a bad thing. This is quite cool because it's good art. They've got nice little stands, and they look cool, right? Mm. Yeah. I, I think it's a really nice alternative to um, to miniatures, which can be quite expensive. But it's also we've seen a lot of miniatures as well yeah. of late, so it yeah. becomes a little bit like this is refreshing to see something a little bit older school. And it's it's kind of a downer to see single use miniatures as well, like you know. When you've got a box full of really cool stuff, but the game isn't, may not entice you to play it every single day. Yeah. It sucks having these like amazingly good miniatures sitting in a box, you know? So um, I think. These... Sucks having amazing stuff in your house. <laughs> well, no, but if it's, yeah, if it's in your house in a box on the shelf that yeah, you play yeah, maybe you once a month, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. You, there are standees for the survivors and there are also standees for the zombies. And the, the zombies come in like, three different flavors. And then the characters for each of the survivors, there's a different standee. Yep. So, you, this and there's actually thirty survivors in the yeah, game. Yeah, there's a lot in there, yeah. isn't there? So, and they've can... all got pluses and minuses as far as attack yeah, and search do. and all that sort of stuff. So, yep. yeah, there's, there's a lot of guys and, and girls. And, and there's Maria. She's a librarian. <laughs> <coughs> sits on a rock. She's got her reading books. Yeah, she's got a lovely red yeah. jacket. Yeah. Where's she at? 
Uh, it's not. <laughs> I find it just man. leave her alone, Justin. Just leave oh. her in the box. She's resting. Yeah, we can't, we can't not talk about this when we're talking about components. Oh, right. Uh, first player. Um, first player so token. the first player token, which is normally just like a nod of recognition, you're going first, <laughs> Yeah, uh, is actually in this Dead of Winter game, a sweet dagger. Like a Rambo knife. Yeah, and it actually says first player on it. Yeah. It's pretty rad. All right. <laughs> So overall, the uh, you know the contents are, are, are good quality stuff. It's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nice quality game. It's nothing flimsy in there or anything. So in general summary, it's like uh, who do you play it with? What's how how tough do you get your players have to be? You <laughs> well, know? I already said you need to play it with a, the larger the group of people, four or more. I think the better. Yeah. Um, because then you can add a very important part, which is the trader element. And do you need to have trailer. gamer mates come over and play this? No, not really. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, the mechanics are easy enough to pick up on, you know, by turn by turn. And because you do have time between rounds to watch three other people yeah. minimum yeah. play I agree. That, it's very much... It's yeah. one of those games, one round and, you, and you're there, it's aren't quite, you? It's quite intuitive, yeah. Uh, the, this, this game is interesting because it's like... You know how you get those Facebook quizzes and it's like, who's going to survive the zombie apocalypse with you? Take your first 10 friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it could be like, it's really interesting. Play with, play with, a very, play with different people like, and see how they react. Um, to, you know, if they're a trader, how they're going to do that sort of thing. It's kind of got that Avalon feel of, you know, who's the biggest jerk. Um, <laughs> Sometimes, and I think when we played it, it was definitely Matt. It's always Matt. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah well. Yeah, so playing play with those sort of people. Um, you can replay it as well. I mean, oh, we played sure. it every week for two months. We did. Um, sessions. Just because, you know, we dropped in the Rivals, tune into episode 54 and get the Rivals interview. Uh, we'd already started playing Dead of Winter. That was going to be our Dead of Winter episode. But we uh, did the, that interview and kept on playing Dead of Winter. Mm. And it didn't get old, did it? No, no, no. You know, which is pretty good. I mean, we've played other games in doing this where we've been, all right, we've done this for a month. That's good. I'm happy to see it go. Or it's a game that I enjoyed, but I put on the shelf yeah. and played again for a while. Well, what I found is enough changes from game to game that it keeps that's, stays yeah, that's interesting. What it is. Yeah, well, yeah. the crisis stack is so big and... Uh, you know, it's not just the main crisis that you're getting used to. It's just all the stuff in between, not to mention the crossroad throw-ins. Well, the crossroad's um, the biggest deck in the game. Yeah. And uh, there's enough variety there that it keeps it interesting. So you're not going to get the same experience every time. And having a, and like we had Lyle drop in for a week and that just added a different element. It's like you're saying, it's, it's almost like uh, he was a different colonist in his own right as well. Mm-hmm. He played the game in a different way. He yeah. he. he, he, he he was he, accumulating survivors like nobody's business. Which we hadn't done up until that That's time. Right, we yeah. thought, this guy is just going to destroy us. And, and then we it, found out what his secret objective yeah. was. And that was to have to a have bunch of most colonists. <laughs> yeah. So he played, he played it very well. And so the, the, the secret objective that you have is something for flavor. If you really want to win together or you just, just ignore them. But if you do want to have that situation where somebody wins just that little bit more, survives just that little bit more comfortably than everyone else, then you include them. Yeah. One thing we haven't discussed, which is the alpha gamer in this game, could be very, very annoying. If you have that person that's telling everybody what to do, uh, yeah. there's a great way for dealing with that alpha gamer. You exile them. <laughs> you hold yeah. a vote and you kick them out. Yeah, they, that doesn't usually happen with the alpha, alpha gamma, though, does it, no. though? You know, because they'll go, no, don't, don't, don't exile me. I'm no, the most important yeah. person. I'm Tim Am I telling you to exile me? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know what? It's not up to them. So everybody else votes them out. They're gone. Now, they don't. They don't they're not ejected from the game. It just means that their, their survivors are, are put out 
on the other locations, yeah. and yeah. they now become antagonists out there for you. So they can either f- they have their own agenda. They actually get a new exile objective, so they hand in the old one and take this exile one, and they can decide themselves whether they're going to inhibit whatever you're doing or they're just going to press their own agenda. And you can actually, it leads into player conflict out in those other locations because you can actually attack other survivors at that point. Yeah. I like I like how you your characters can die and then you can get back in so it doesn't have that, you know, go and stand yeah. in the corner of the room yeah. for 20 minutes while we finish this game. Extreme, <laughs> it's an extremely inclusive game. Like that combined with the crossroads means that no one's really sitting there twiddling too much. You know? It's always yeah. something to do. Yeah. And, and the cards, the, the main objective cards, give you an idea how long it's going to be. Because, I mean, that was, you know, I was sort of raising an eyebrow too in the intro where it said uh, two to five plays with 45 to 210 yeah. minutes. It has three it's levels. Like, why, even, why even give you a time? It's a short, um, medium, long objective. Yeah, exactly. Um, we got, we had to finish one short, didn't we? Because it, it yeah, was Yeah, so that was a long and we were at two hours. It was a two and a half, two and a half hours. Yeah. And we're just like... Got to go, but we that was we still, felt like it broke. I think back. we knew where we were going. Well, yeah. We had two rounds to go, and it was kind of dominating at that point. But also because that was when we played Bilal, and he'd stacked like thirteen characters, so yeah, yeah. thirteen action dice, and yeah, all that sort of jazz. I think at the by that point he was just going through the motions of spending them because exactly, uh, yeah. he had he he was struggling to to employ those dice mm. in a. I mean, Aaron, Aaron's played this game. He's got it at home. And I think, you know, going into this game, he said he'd never beaten it. I mean, we didn't find it as tough as that. I don't know if... I don't think we cheated. Did we cheat ever? I mean, we, well, I'd like to clarify for new listeners. We never cheat on purpose. No. Sometimes Nobody we win a game it's and then we found out it, that we it's, completely it's overlooked It's a misinterpretation a of a written rule. Yeah. That's what we did. I don't think we cheated, did we? No, uh, we did. We did? We did the, the first, first, first game. Yeah. How, what did we, we do? We never rolled for exposure. We never that's, went that's, right. that's right, yeah. So that meant so that... So it became more lethal for us after that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but but still, we didn't find that it was totally unbeatable. It was had its fair share of wins versus yeah. losses, didn't uh, it? It was, it was just really... Uh, we got really lucky, um, which which is a big part of the game. Yeah. You're searching out a resource and it's like, okay, yeah, I found it. Excellent. We can get through this next round. Um, Rao did get dip into the danger low sections. <laughs> you know, there's a few... Sound cl- sad clowns, you know. You know yeah. <laughs> but uh, other than that, well, no. after Maria died, I was gone. I just want to go was home. You, you were just that, a sad yeah, clown. That's that that I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, you have that choice where you can do complete the cards you want regarding the the crisis cards. If you don't want to complete the crisis because it's not going to have a big impact, then you can leave well enough alone and then go spend your dice doing more constructive things. Yeah. Uh, whereas if the crisis is going to screw you over for the next turn you want to get rid of that as, as easily as possible. So, and, and I love that. It fits, the, it fits with the whole theme of the game and makes the whole game, uh, the genre, which is survival horror, it's not necessarily zombie apocalypse, it's survival horror, which makes for a very big collaborative experience. You know, it's yeah, a community. You're you really have that immersive game experience where your players are talking to each other. Uh, so as you said, Justin, you've always got something to do, whether it's conversation with other players about what the hell you're going to do next or it's uh, paying close attention to what other people are doing so because, you you suspect them of, because you suspect them of being a, uh, a, a trader or something or like that. Or you're going to be planning on how you're going to be a trader, yeah. be the trader and hold on to certain That's it. cards no. that you don't want to get rid of. So, yeah, in, in summary, extremely engaging. Uh, I reckon it's quite friendly to new players. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the you know it, the time commitment to it isn't hectic. You know, like yeah. it can be. Uh, but you choose your game. Up. You choose your game. So 
It doesn't take long to set up. Doesn't yeah. take long to pack up. Uh, and the fact that the company have looked after it with the with an app and you know yeah. uh, future expansion plans, if there is any. Yeah. So well, what I can tell you what with the expansions, there aren't any specifically. However, they're bringing out new versions of the game. So yeah, it's more, that, flavor, you know, more flavor. Cuts. A crossroads yeah. game. So it's that crossroads deck is yeah. going to be pivotal in future yeah. game. Right, so it might be the, you might be able to buy this game in a different theme. Coming yeah. up, I don't know how much they're going to change it up. No, and I, I think the the solid framework of what the game is, if you could put this, you know, you could do Space Hulk like this. You could do, you know, yeah. any any real setting with this mechanic role is going to be fine. Oh, you for know? sure. Yeah. So I could see different parts of a spaceship. I could see different parts of, you know, you yeah. could do anything with this. It's quite really, really fleshed out. Yeah, it's very adaptive. I think so. It has won a severed zombie head full of awards, <laughs> and for you know probably for for good reasons. Yeah. Now, is that is that your creative license, or is that actually an award? That's not a thing. That's <laughs> the, I made that up. You yeah. made that up. You just jamming them in the zombie head. There's always more extra room in a zombie head. Right. Sometimes it bursts, and I think it did. Well, the zombie Goliath. There's yeah. plenty of room in that head. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that was in a part one. So part two coming up. We've got Matt's quiz. In part three, the Games Fest roving reporter stuff. And then we'll tell you how to win this game, Dead of Winter. You can totally take this game home. You You can have it. it. Yeah. All right. Uh, We'll blob. We'll come back with a quiz. It's Matt's Dead of Winter themed quiz. Here we are. Got a new format for it, guys. All right. Yeah, it's it's a snappier format. So to new listeners, this is just the format. (laughs) The format. So the format is there are five questions. Right. The first four questions are single point answers yeah the final question the fifth question is a three-point answer for a total of seven points oh, okay. like he's in seven land hand seven that's land. what we're oh, aiming for right. so five questions seven points total that way we can uh, actually track the scores yeah. so this is the don't say janet taylor fast three times quiz don't a quiz so janet loosely based on plat hat games dead of winter it's practically hanging off its hinges question one <laughs> He's trying to get a bit of intro action. I was being I like that. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Question right. one. In a Plat Hat Games pre-order poll, it was decided right. that the next Crossroads game would have a new theme. Which of the following did not appear on the poll? All right. Lost in Space, Summer Camp, Feudal Japan, Deep Underground, Wild Wild West. Which one did not appear on the poll? All right. So it's, all of the others did. It's a guessing game, yeah. Uh, yeah so do you want them again? No. Lost in space. <laughs> I'm going to give them to you anyway. I've got my answer. Because people play it. Anyway. That's true. Yeah. Summer camp, feudal Japan, deep underground, wild, wild west. Right. Okay. An amazing song by Will Smith yeah. back in the 2000s. <laughs> Question two. True or false, the owner of Plat Hat Games features as a playable survivor character. True or false? Okay. So, is the owner of Plat Hat Games featured as a playable survivor? Justin, your options are either true or <laughs> false. Roger that. There's no great. Thanks, area. ma'am. We're not cheating. <laughs> Question three. According to the reliable news source, the Daily Mail, researchers oh at Cornell University have determined that the safest place to go when, zombie, when a zombie apocalypse breaks out is where? Is it Bloomingdale's department store? The Plaza Hotel in New York City? Or the Colorado Rockies. Okay. So which one? Is it Bloomingdale's department store, the Plaza Hotel in New York City, or the Colorado Rockies? Which 
Gotcha. According to researchers at Cornell. Cornell, named after Chris Cornell, lead singer of Soundgarden. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. He's on tour right now. Yeah. Playing in Perth on December 8th. Ooh. So you think I don't know my facts. I'm about to win this quiz with information and knowledge like that. That'll help you. <laughs> Question four. What is the name of the book set in the Star Wars universe that would make a kick-ass zombie miniatures game? Is it Doom Troopers, Death Troopers, Dead Troopers, F Troopers? Which one? Nice. You snuck a gag in there, didn't you? I did. F Troopers. Yeah, I try. Which... All right. What is the name of the star of the book set in the Star Wars universe that would make a kick-ass zombie miniatures game? Doom Troopers, Death Troopers, Dead Troopers, or F Troopers? Is it canon that book? Canon. Yeah. Is it star? Is it official Star Wars canon? Is the the book that you're talking about? I don't know. Well, Maybe. I only know official canon. For the listeners oh, at well home, then you're going to fail. <laughs> I hear this all the time on podcasts, and I nod and pretend I know what it means. <laughs> what does canon mean? I just uh, look. I'm only saying that I don't know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> wow. It just means no, no. What it means is that there is an official story arc. That's like for for Batman, which I, I'm a bit more familiar with. There is an official story arc, and then there's other outlying uh, other outliers which aren't considered part of that official storyline. Stuff like the Killing Joke. That was written uh, mm. by uh, Alan Moore and some other yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, anyway, it's a Joker that, with a camera. I'm yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the Joker shoots Barbara Streisand. Gordon, yeah. Barbara Streisand, <laughs> and basically puts her in a wheelchair. Then she becomes the Oracle. They thought that's gold, man. We're having that as canon. That story, which was an outlier, <laughs> came into the official storyline. Well, so, so, so it actually happened. In the universe, of yeah, thing. it okay. actually happened now. And there are some things that didn't actually happen. It's just a third party. Yeah, we're just selling thing. you a story about Batman. Interesting. So. There you go. There's your canon fact. Yeah. On now, so most please, fan fact, fan fiction, and stuff like that is. Please write canon. in and tell me where I went wrong in that. There's a lot of. <laughs> oh my god! There's a lot of names. There's a lot of writers. There's a lot of. Oh my god! <laughs> we're saying gonna... we're not too. We're not uh, that humble that we can't be correct. Oh no, no, I'm quite convinced <laughs> that I got most of that wrong. Question five. Last question. What is a Now, canon? this one is called Zombie Trope Fest. <laughs> I've got three uh, zombie tropes here, popular ones, and you need to tell me what movie they're from. Oh, nice. Okay? I'm done. So, number one, lightning fast, hyper-aggressive, and full of rage. Yeah. Number two, dead Nazi super soldiers from oh, beneath I the sea. That one. You did that one last time. Maybe. We did zombies like a million, well, let's say mm. just two oh. years ago. And, um, well, you can't go back and listen to it now. Well, you can, but well, you not, can't. not right now. <laughs> uh, and the third it's one... It's got a good title. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, go on. Slow, lumbering, and only have eyes for Barbara. Oh. All right, so there were three popular zombie tropes there. What movie do they come from? Okay. First one, um, lightning fast, hyper-aggressive, and full of rage. Yeah. Dead Nazi super soldiers from beneath the sea. Slow, lumbering, and only have eyes for Barbara. I can't remember. That second one's ridiculous. So that one's worth three points. The second one was worth forgetting, I remember, but it's, it's got a funny title. Yeah. I don't know if I'd call it funny. Isn't that as humorous? Anyway. Maybe. All right. It's a play on words. Answers, man. Funny. All right. Oh, do you know it? Yeah. I think <laughs> I know, but I don't. Right. Okay, question one. Yeah. In a Plaid Hat Games pre-order poll, it was decided that the next Crossroads game would have a new theme. Which of the following did not appear on the poll? Was it Lost in Space, Summer Camp, Feudal Japan, Deep Underground, or Wild Wild West? Justin. Deep Underground is what I picked. Summer Camp is what I picked. You are both incorrect. Damn. Bastard. It was 
Wild Wild West. That's good. My first guess was so. Wild Wild West. So they basically they let anybody who filled in a pre-order, they let them have a vote. Let me. I'm just going to talk. Welcome everybody to the Wild Wild West. He says so. Basically. Everybody got one vote if you pre-ordered, and then that determined what the next game, or influenced the next game, what it was going to be. And for interest's <laughs> sake, it was... A state that's untouchable, like Elliot Summer Ness. Camp that Summer Camp got, got the it. vote. Yeah. Oh, Summer Camp got it. Got so you were, you were doubly oh, wrong. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's the dumbest idea. Summer Camp. Yeah. Well, that's actually pretty cool. It's popular at the moment. Yeah, I don't know. Because it's summer. And it's campy. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason. Oh, and then also there's that video game that yeah. came out... Why you could be a slasher? It was basically Scream the movie, just until dawn is what it's called. Oh no, I was thinking of another one. Hmm. There's another one that's coming out uh, where you get to be a slasher or you get to be the victims. I can't remember the name. Oh, of it. please let me be the victim of a slasher. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, I want to get stabbed. Yeah. Oh, that's me. I'm out. There we go. Question two. Question two. Matthew. True or false? The owner of the Plat Hat Games features as a playable survivor character. Easy. David. True. It's too yeah, easy. Yeah, true as well. It is true. Nice. Kodiak uh, <laughs> Colby was named after Colby Dorch, uh, who was released as a playable survivor for pre-orders of the game on their website. Uh, Felicia Day was also released as a playable song. Oh, yeah, I did read that somewhere, actually, yeah. yeah. Pretty rad. Yeah. Question three. According to the reliable news source, the Daily Mail, researchers at Cornell University have determined that the safest place to go when the zombie apocalypse breaks out is where? Was it Bloomingdale's, the Plaza Hotel, or was it the Colorado Rockies? Justin? Definitely the Colorado Rockies, because scientists would never say something rad <laughs> is the place to go. It was the Plaza Hotel in New York because it's lockable, upable, and there's lots of food supplies in there. You could survive in there for ages, and you can make it very secure. But they get deliveries and stuff. It was the Colorado Rockies. <laughs> is it a bacteria reason? They then went on to say that anywhere else <laughs> would be as good as long as there's no one around to bite you. So it goes on. It's based okay. on population. Well, it's a bit of right. a caveat, isn't it? <laughs> I thought it was like elevation, or is that a different? No, it's, part of it's the world? based on population. So if there's no one around to be infected, then you're gonna your chances of survival are greater. Well, I just got it right. That's all. I'm say. <laughs> uh, you did. Two Question four. What is the name of the book set in the Star Wars universe that would make a kick-ass zombie miniatures game? Doom Troopers, Death Troopers, Dead Troopers, F Troopers. David? Doom Troopers. Justin? Dead Troopers. It was Death Troopers. So that means... <laughs> so you're both wrong. Oh, good. Right, yeah. So I'm just funny. It's I thought that was obvious. <laughs> well, they all sounded the same all of a sudden. They did. That was totally deliberate. This is a okay, number five. Streak ahead. I'm going to be chilling in the Plaza Hotel in New York, so I don't care. <laughs> Lightning fast, don't high care. progressive, and full of rage. What's the movie? Who's go go to, is it go. me? Just it's a uh, 28 whatever's later. Yep, I said 28 days. Yeah, correct. Later. Yeah. Okay, dead Nazi super zombies. Sorry, let me try that again. Dead Nazi super soldiers from beneath the sea. What is it, David? Oh, it's something like Nazi submariners. No, no I don't know. It's I, just, it's, uh, it's, I told it's an so interesting story about this. Yeah, well, let's not hear it again. Yeah. <laughs> well, said, it, was, Nazi it was 2001, zombies. listener. Hey, I said Nazi zombies dot dot. And in the, yeah. it's a tagline, isn't it? Oh, it could be a from Nazi, I, uh, Nazi zombies from under the sea. It was, it's something crap I miss, like that. I miss interpreted this movie when I first saw it and I interpreted it as underwater Nazi zombie pirates because I was really late at night and I was watching it on Foxtel. But it is in fact shockwaves. 
crickets in the background. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You so guys need to get for out the more. same thrill. Get back to like episode number two and listen to the same question with yeah. probably the same crickets appearing. Anyway. No, man. No. What? what are you talking about? Shockwaves. Shockwaves. Yeah. It's rad title. It had Peter <laughs> it Cushing in not. it. Just to say with the strength. <laughs> yeah. No, shockwaves, man. Yeah, I'd back that. Kickstart that movie, man. Where's oh zombies from under the shockwaves? I get it. That's cool because there's waves and water and the shocking with the zombies. Well, you know that one that was made in uh, in um, Norway, I think, or Finland, something like that. Um, Dead Snow, which was the same yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Nazis, super soldiers. Uh, in the snow, but dead snow. I don't know. I'm not even going to back that either. Part Better name than shockwaves. Three, but yeah. three. Slow, lumbering, and only have eyes for Barbara. What's the movie? Is it Shaun of the Dead? No. Damn oh, it. oh I, I went down for uh, Dawn of the Dead or Evil Dead. I'm going for Evil Dead. No, it was Night of the Living Dead. It was the first one. We've the got, graveyard scene. Do I get points for how many times I said dead in my wrong answer? Justin was actually closer because I remember that was Justin uh, killed me. That was, I think that was a throwaway line in that yeah, movie, was there wasn't a, it? There was, there, was there a barber in that? No, know. I don't think it was a barber, but I think it was a throwaway line. I'm not sure. Uh, anyway, you were wrong. Hope you did better at home, everybody. <laughs> uh, look, part three is coming will. up for more excitement. And this has got Matt, roving reporter, talking to some well-interesting people at the Perth Games Fest that just happened. So, Perth Games Fest was on uh, on the weekend. It was on Sunday. And uh, I went along with um, just myself and my phone, and I attended this free event. It was held at the Perth Town Hall, and I got to talk to quite a variety of people. Um, it's the second year of the event, and so I spoke to a couple of, of staff involved, and now they're all volunteers. And uh, so I spoke to Cade and, and Sam, and uh, yeah, David, you've got some of that audio I took. Yeah, just uh, so this the the brief grabs, and these are just the two uh, people that were working at the event, and here they are. All right, this is Matt from Seven Land Hand, and I'm talking at the moment to Cade Henley, coming at you live from the Perth Gamers Fest in the Perth City Town Hall. And Cade, thank you for hosting such a wonderful event here in the city of Perth. You are most welcome. Um, just a quick question: How long has the Perth Gamers Fest been running for? This is our second year. Um, it's hopefully our biggest yet. Uh, we had 1,600 people show up last year, and we're hoping to blast that out into space this year. And we're hoping to continue this on well into the future. I can see there's lots of people around at the moment. It's, the place looks pretty packed. I haven't been upstairs yet, but I hope to get the chance to have a look there. Um, what's the main impetus behind the event itself? What's the, I guess if you like, what's the uh, reason for hosting the event? Well, we're very passionate about the Perth game scene and about developers and gamers alike. So we want to get the developers and the gamers together so we can showcase what's happening in Perth and get the developers' names out there and also get the developers talking to the players to see what they want and what they're willing to play. Sounds awesome. Thank you very much for your time, Cade. You are most welcome. This is Matt from Seven Land Head. I'm here live at the Perth Games Fest. I'm talking to Sam, who's one of the volunteers at the festival. And Sam, what is it you're doing here? I'm controlling the panels room, you know, just making sure they go smoothly and such. How have the panels gone so far? They've been very well uh, about uh, attended. Yeah, they haven't had uh, pretty good attendance. So a few have hit capacity. Um, but yeah, it's been some very amazing and interesting discussions that have gone on. Any, uh, any insight into some special guests that might be on the panels this year? 
anyone incredible is coming along? Uh, I'm not 100% sure to be prepared for the so, others. Uh, typically, uh, games designers, developers, that sort of thing, people yes, in the had, industry? Yeah, we've had some games uh, developers and designers. Um, and depending on the panel, we change different people. We've had... Um, Doctors and stuff coming in to talk about the future of gaming a little bit later, which will be very exciting. And uh, some award-winning, yeah, definitely. Uh, some award-winning game designers as well will be Brilliant. discussing the future of games. Oh, Sam, thanks very much for your time and enjoy the fest. Thank you. Bye. So it was great. Um, they last year I think they she said they had fifteen hundred people attend. This year they had close to two and a half thousand go through. So the next group of people I got to speak to were actually board game designers. So it was Wes. Um, Wes Lamont, Lamont. and uh, Anthony Sweet and then I also spoke to Kate who was a pervasive games designer is, is that like a description of her character or is that her company name? No, that's actually what she, the games she designs they're yeah. called Pervasive World Games that's nice yeah Okay, good. Oh, here she is. I had no, no idea what it I'll was just, all about. I just you said she in, in her own character is a, per, a pervasive <laughs> games designer Alright, all right, here we go Hi, this is Matt from Seven Land Head. I'm here with Wesley Lamont at the Perth Gamers Fest. And Wes, what uh, does an event like this do for you as a designer and a developer of your own games? And what could it mean for other future developers? Well, it's just great exposure, really. I mean, the, the Perth Games Fest, I mean, last year had 1,500 people come through. I'm assuming we're topping that this year. I, I, don't, I haven't seen numbers, but it's just great exposure. A lot of people don't realise we have such a strong game development community in yeah. Perth. And this is just a great way of going, look, we have heaps and heaps of people all making cool games that, that people are really enjoying um, and, 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 and buying as well. It's fantastic. It's terrific. I, um, I fully, this is the first time I've seen your deliciously large, ludicrous cog set. And I have to say, it looks much, much better in the, in the flesh. Um, how does it feel lugging that around the country on conventions and that sort of thing? It's, it's pretty challenging. The, the first year it cost me a thousand bucks to get it across to PAX from Perth, so it spread to the other side of the country. And a lot of those people on the other, in other countries don't realise quite how big Australia actually is. Um, it's about the width of the USA as well. So you're pretty much going from the east coast to the west coast, and it's not cheap. So this year I got it across from probably about 500. I, I got some road transport, but yeah, it's not easy. It's, it's only like a 40 kilo game, but it's big. It's a big game. So yeah. Great. Uh, Wes, thanks for your time and enjoy the rest of the fest. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. It's Matt from Seven Land Hand, and I'm here talking with Anthony Sweet, the designer of games such as Starhammer and Halfling Heist. And Anthony, I'm just wondering, here at Perth Games Fest, the, there's a lot of people coming in here today to check out new designers, new developers, and see what's going on. How do you feel that events like this raises your profile as a developer designer? Sure. like Events like the Perth Games Festival, they really, they're able to put a spotlight on game developers that the general public generally wouldn't have heard of before, right? Like, uh, we sit at home and, like, you know, I'm, I've got a Steam account, you know, I know all the games I want on Steam, right? Um, but if it wasn't for me coming out to these events, I wouldn't know about games like Bellus Morton and, um... Uh, 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 oh, what's the name? Oh, my God, he's going to kill me now when I forget. <laughs> um, Paradigm. Oh, my yeah. God, I'm sorry, Jacob. Right. Um, but, you know, like, if it wasn't for these kinds of events, a lot of local people wouldn't realise these games existed. So this right. is a really great venue for the general public to come and find out what's being locally made mm-hmm. um, and finding out that the quality level of locally made games is just as high as everything else that's happening on the Steam profile. They just don't have the publisher advertising money behind them, right? So, yeah, like, this is just a really great opportunity for the general public to come and find out about games which are being made locally. 
a chance to get behind a locally produced product, which is, which is at the end of the day, is what we should all be aiming to do, I think. The, the chance to get in front of the guy that made it or the girl that made it and talk to them face-to-face, right? Like, I have personal games that I love, and, like, when those developers that make those games are at PAX and I get to go to PAX and talk yeah. to them, a little bit of me fanboys inside, right? <laughs> um, but it's nice as well to know that there's a local game that you've enjoyed and you can go to at the Perth Games Festival, or even the game you don't know you're going to enjoy it. You go talk to the, the developer, find out that they're a pretty cool person, you know, yeah. and, like, they've also made a pretty cool game. Like, that's a really nice thing to happen. Yeah, I love talking to people about our games. Like, well, you generally... Most of the time you get people just like, how much is that? Where's it from? All this kind of stuff. Right? But every once in a while you get someone who comes up and they just want to talk to you for like five minutes because they really enjoy the fact that a game that they've played, they're now talking to the person who's made all those creative decisions behind that game. Yeah. And, you know, it's nice to be able to talk about your project to people who are enthusiastic about it as well. You're not, just, you're not just throwing your words out into like a cold, heartless, like kind of social media kind of thing. You've actually got people actively interested in what you're doing. That's always nice. It's gratifying as well. Well, that's what we hope at Seven Land Hand that we're able to do is we're able to bring attention to, to uh, designers, developers, anyone in the community that wants to help raise that profile. Yeah. So, um, yeah, best of luck, Anthony, Thank with you. your future pursuits. Thank you very much. Cheers. Appreciate it. It's Matt from Seven Land Hand, and I'm here at the Perth Gamers Fest, and I'm talking with Kate from FTI. At Games We Play. At Games We Play. Um, and basically, uh, Kate, I just want to ask you, how is the Perth Gamers Fest... Um, bringing interest to what you're creating with your Pervasive World Games? Well, so I I make Pervasive Games, but I also run the games program at FTI. And um, I see things like in Melbourne, like the the, um, Melbourne International Games Week, like PAX and GCAP that happen there. And it brings tens of thousands of people into the city. And it just really has put um, Melbourne on the map for games. And this, now we're ha- we have a two-day thing happening. So we have Perth Games Festival, and tomorrow we have an unconference. And we have pervasive games. We have board games. We have tabletop. We have video games. We have everything. And I think that it's starting to do the same thing for, for Perth that um, Melbourne International Games has done for Melbourne. So it's just really um, showing people what games can be beyond just video games and showing them um, that... You can have games to get people outside, talking to each other, playing games with each other, um, being physically active, but also that there's games that are screen-based can be art as well, and so there's just a lot more, I think, people can see the value of games. It's a great platform for bringing people together and forming community, social communities around all forms of the gaming, so that's wonderful. Uh, I think Perth Community is really going to appreciate what you're doing for them. So uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. She was very interesting, actually, and the whole idea of the pervasive world games is something that's quite new to Perth, so I look forward to uh, finding out a little bit more about it because uh, I think it's, it's something that's quite um, you know, interesting and uh, not on the uh, click, if you like. Yeah, it's really yeah. exciting, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think it's quite cool. So yeah. the final... Yeah, well, I was going to say, all three of them, they'd be cool to like, invite them in and have a chat, yeah. find out what they've been doing a little bit more in-depthly, yeah? Yeah, oh, they were certainly open to it, and yeah. they're, they're glad, very happy to be talking about what they're doing. Yeah. Um, well, who isn't, really? <laughs> so the final uh, three people I managed to speak to were more in the, the digital media designers, uh, so little little companies that uh, produce games. And uh, my favourite was the last Stay one. Stay tuned for that, yeah. <laughs> that's going to be still disturbing me until... Uh... <laughs> anyway. You'll find out well, why in a second. Yeah, here we go. 
Hi, it's Matt from Sevenland Hand, and I'm here at the Perth Gamers Fest, and I've got with me Ashley from... Uh, Level-Headed Games. Level-Headed Games. Ashley, what have you brought to the Perth Games Fest today? Uh, so I've got a, a word puzzle game called Renogram. Uh, you're basically completing uh, ransom letters by taking words from uh, magazine headlines. Well, just like the real thing, is it, as you see on the crime shows. Yeah, it's pre-cut. You don't have to use any scissors or anything like that. It's all done for you. Who's, uh, who's your target audience? Um, I, I think it's people that like crosswords and anagrams. So probably a bit of an older audience. Yeah. That, that, that seemed to be who I got today. What are you uh, hoping to get out of Perth Gamers Fest? What does it do for you on a, uh, as um, a developer? Good feedback. That, that's what I'm generally looking for. Um, the people you know that I'm able to show the game to at home is probably not the audience that I'm after. So to get like the people that want to play it, that's that's good feedback. Great. Well, thanks for your time. Best of luck, Ash. Thank you. Bye. It's Matt here from Sevenland Hand, and I'm here with Amos Wolf, and here to talk about the game Rocket Nauts. Yep. Amos, can you describe Rocket Nauts for us, please? Uh, basically, it's a four-player local multiplayer game where you use the recoil of your weapon to move around in space, as well as uh, shoot your enemies as well. It's your propulsion. Yeah, definitely. Great. Uh, Bringing your game... Is this the first time you brought your game to Perth Games Fest? Yes, uh, this is the first time as well. Well, I've had another game here as well called City Dash. So what are you hoping to get out of this sort of thing? I'm going to say this is only two years old, so what are you looking to get yourself out of this type of uh, this festival? Mainly publicity. I'm just trying to get involved a little bit more in the community, so making people a bit uh, more aware of my games as well as uh, finding... Well, looking at other people's games and finding out... Um, who else is in Perth that's doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, right. Well, it looks like a great little game. Um, so, yeah, thanks very much for your time, Amos. Cheers. Thank you. Okay, this is Matt from Seven Hand Land Hand, and I'm here at the Perth Gamers Fest, and I'm talking with Sophie from SK Games, who has just had me play what is probably the strangest thing I've ever played. Sophie, maybe you could describe your game. Uh, we tend to describe it as a competitive cat milking game. Um, but yeah, it's just a weird arcade game we made involving milking cats. The setup is uh, is the, probably the well the cutest and yet most disturbing setup for any video game I've ever seen. Uh, it's a cat lying up on its back on a table with uh, nipples exposed, and you basically rub the nipples, squirting milk. And where does an idea like this come from? Uh, well, it tends to be what we do we, we make up weird games but um, this one specifically was uh, more about uh, looking at Xbox controllers and likening the joysticks to perhaps being a little bit nipple like if you covered them in fur um, and it kind of evolved into these fairy monsters basically well it looks yeah as I said disturbing yet strangely maternal at the same yeah, time absolutely. yeah you get pretty attached to these um, these girls but uh, yeah, the, the controllers came before the game itself, definitely. So what, is, uh, what did SK Games get out of an event like Perth Gamers Fest? Um, I guess, like, well, definitely for us exposure. We, we're not too much about selling stuff um, directly, I guess. But, um, yeah, it's exposure and it's also, yeah, just to see 
what else is going on in the Perth community. It's a really good hub. I mean, yeah, there's so many new games I didn't know even were in Perth, so, yeah. Thank you very much, Sophie, for your time. Good luck. All right, that was that happened. The funny thing about that was, uh, just as we were finishing, this guy came up beside us, and he was he was almost talking over my interview, and he he started to talk to Sophie about how she should make the take away the cats and turn them into women's breasts because that's what he was into. And I, we both looked at each other and we just went, "This is going a little bit awkward." That's what they're for. They're for feedback, right? <laughs> feedback, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what they want. It was just a very awkward moment, <laughs> but it was it was great. Uh, I really enjoyed going. It's like I said, or like I said earlier, it's the second time, a second year this has been running, and I can only see this going onwards and upwards. They've got plenty of space there. Lots of local developers, and designers coming out to show what they've got. Um, you know, Anthony has his digital game Star Hammers, which looks awesome, by the way. And it was very reminiscent of Homeworld and uh, other games of that ilk. And, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what becomes of it because I can only see that they're going to get more or higher profile. It's a little bit different to the, the other conventions, isn't it? That's yeah, run at the yeah. moment. And there's definitely space to have more of a board game focus yeah. not necessarily the primary focus because i think digital media is, is the sure, primary yeah. focus but but it's something to look forward it'd to be in. cool to hear from okay. people from around the country just about you know what other things like this are happening in yeah. their in their neighborhood as well yeah. uh, and yeah i look forward to hearing from um some of the board like wes and uh, coming in as talk about cogs yeah. and rogue blitz be coming up as well <laughs> Needs and twos. That stands for tweets and news. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, yeah. But we'll just uh, jump ahead of. We've had a lot of um, comments here and there and likes and stuff on Facebook. We've got a lot of news to get through, so let's just jump ahead to that. Uh, on the game of the month special, as we said earlier on, is Dead of Winter, reviewed earlier on by Seven Land Head. Uh, good games are giving our listeners ten percent off Dead of Winter. So just go to your nearest good game store anywhere in Australia and give the pa- their staff the password Winter Wonderland. Winter Wonderland. Land. <laughs> Three words: Winter Wonder and Land. This only lasts for a month, so go in now. It's up to you. Make those savings. And if ten percent's not enough, you what know, about the chance to win the game? That's a hundred percent off. That's <laughs> yeah, which is nearly ninety percent more. Off. That's a lot off. Yeah, that's a lot. Have it off with, get, with, dead, with dead of winter. And um, you don't even have to say winter wonderland to get it. Yeah, what do you have to do? Uh, one lucky whistle, uh, whistler, listener. Whistlers. One listener. Good. You don't have to whistle at all. One listener who makes a comment on the Facebook post for this episode. So go to facebook.com forward slash sevenlandhand. Find this post on our um, page. It'll be pinned to the top uh, for this episode, episode 55. Yeah. And you can win the game. Just make a comment on the post. Anything could be about the show, could be about your experience with Data Winner if you've played it, could be about how much you want it. Go for humor. Everyone loves humor, right? Could be about those catnips. Could be about the catnipples, yeah. I don't know. Um, so it's, yeah, so it's pinned there right now. And uh, one comment from uh, all of those below will be randomly chosen by someone from Good Games HQ as unbiasedly as possible. So don't, there's no favoritism going there. I don't think we get to choose. Uh, it's just going to be plucked out of the ether and, um, and declared as the winner. And you can go into your local store. I think that's the only condition you've got to be able to get into a Good Games and say, hey, I won the Dead of Winter. And you have to be the actual person that won. Well, it's, it's quite convenient then that Good Games is uh, nationally located. Nationally located. Mm. That's Nationwide. Correct. Nationwide. Nation. And lots of different spots. That's Australia. 
All right, isn't it lovely to have such a national sponsor? <laughs> Even more so, welcome aboard national listeners. Uh, so please comment on any of our uh, Facebook posts and get involved in the discussions. Uh, all of your comments make this show better. And if we read out your comment, we'll send you a classic Hypermagic Nerd Badge to adorn your game aware. And they're a, a dying breed. And that's the classic one. I made a point. It's the classic one. Classic. Orig- original and best. Uh, Hypermagic Nerd Badge. Completely unrestored. Unrestored, yeah. They're Just brand new. fresh out the box. I don't even know how many we've got left now. Factory we'll line. Did we, have a, did we have like a shipping container full of them at one point? We did, and now we've got barely enough to scratch together. I made um, a house. Uh, so, <laughs> oh yeah, we've been we've been hiring new Facebook page admins lately as well, and we're always keen to hear a pitch from any of you out there who might provide some cool content for our Facebook page. If you're in the gaming community, got some important stuff to say, maybe thinking about uh, running your blog somewhere, and hey, maybe it'll be good for uh, the Facebook page. And get in touch, uh, and you can get in touch with us by our brand new uh, email addresses, which yeah. are any of our names at sevenlandhand.com. Uh, so, what's an example of that? Because what was your name? David at sevenlandhand.com oh, so or so Justin at sevenlandhand.com. So if you want to send Matt an email, it would be Matt Shift Two at <laughs> yeah, sevenlandhand.com. Exactly. Roger that. And if you can't remember any of us, just go for podcast. Go generic, and we'll so know. That, that thing you're listening to right now, podcast at sevenlandhand.com. The number seven. Oh, the no, uh, that's important. The number seven. seven. Yeah. So that's two presses on the numerical key. Yeah, because we couldn't, nobody could spell seven. Uh, so we're also available on Instagram now as well. We've got one picture on there. We've got to get busy. No, we've got two. What are Have you we? talking about? We've got two. What was we the second two. one? Uh, Matt over at uh, Gamefest. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I put that on. That, that, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice one. I didn't even keep up with that. Jeez. Uh, anyway, oh, we've got... Uh, it's that new. For an example of new admin, uh, Andy Hayes, who uh, played a few games with us over the... Over Arcadia Quest, he's a painter and he's painted lots of miniatures. His miniatures are on show in Good Games Cannington right now. Uh, he's one of the page admins now. He's going to keep us up to date on any uh, painting, painting exploits yeah. he's got. Like that would be cool stuff. to see things come along. So, yeah, if you're on Instagram, if you're one of those snapomatic people, it's at Seven Land Hand with the number seven. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, and if you, if you think you've got anything to contribute, uh, please get in touch. Just email us and let us, let us know your pitch, what you might want to do. Yeah, let's uh, hear from you. Yeah. Uh, so next fortnight, we're back with uh, Seven Land Hand Extra, which is the Magic Focus podcast. I haven't talked to those guys about what they want to talk about yet. I imagine it's Oath of the Gatewatch, uh, uh, a bit of Zendikar uh, yeah. talk. I'm going to go reach into the ether and pull out the subject. Yeah. It's got to be about magic. It's about magic, yeah. <laughs> this is usually what happens. We, we, the, board, the board games team will be back in a month with yet another deal from Good Games. But in between that, we do Seven Land Hand Extra. We talk about magic. Um, so we'll, we'll be doing that. Um, anything else, guys? Don't forget your Winter Wonderland. Winter Wonderland. 10% off. And considering the list price, that's awesome. That's a lot of pennies. That's some pennies right that's there. That's enough chance to buy a Magic Booster if you're, if, yeah. if you're, in, if exactly. you're in both things. Stacks on stacks on stacks. Of a couple of those. I know. Alrighty, uh, we'll blob and outro out of here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's an episode of Seven Lane Hand, guys. Uh, thanks for sitting down and reviewing some Dead of Winter. Hopefully you guys can uh, get in on that discount. Get a free one. Get some money off that title. But uh, Matt, man, you want to wrap this up? Yeah, I'd like to say thanks. I'd like to say thanks to Good Games for picking us up, dusting us off and setting us loose on the world and, su- well, nationally, and supporting us with an awesome prize giveaway. The national world. That's it. If you're, somewhere, <laughs> if you're from somewhere that isn't national to Australia, drop us an email. I want to hear from you guys. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Let's get worldwide. Some of our Canadian listeners. 
and Good Games Cannington to providing for providing a zombie-free environment to play. There were definitely no zombies when I walked in here this evening. Oh, there were a few here when I arrived. <laughs> I'd like to thank my co-host Justin for turning up every Tuesday and not, and not being an undead ghoul. He's a definitely not an undead ghoul. There's some life. There's life there. The skin is. And of course, David keeping the pipe firmly inserted into the recording doodad while the zombies surround the store and we talk about this all Since we toned down the explicit level, <laughs> so many jokes. And remember, if the zombies are in the cities, then head for the hills. Unless, of course, the zombies are already in the hills, in which case, we're all doomed. Let's go to the Rockies. Plaza, New York. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>